0: You're listening to audio from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn about our ministry, please visit holycrosstucson.com. We've been spending time in Luke chapter 2 and really asking questions each Sunday as it relates to this text. The first week we asked, "Why do we sing?" and then last week we asked, well, "Why do we pursue silence?" And today I want to answer the question, "Why do we give gifts?" Christmas is a time of gift giving, of course. But first, I want to I dispel a common myth about gift giving. And that is the myth that when it comes to gift giving, it is the thought that counts. Not so much, not true. Um, apparently, this phrase originated about 100 years ago. And it's a common phrase to indicate uh, that it's the kindness behind the gift that is given that really matters, even if the gift is useless, insignificant, or unnecessary. Um, but I think that as we desire to receive a gift, not only to, re- to reflect the kindness of the giver and appreciate the giver who has cared for us and expressed kindness, we also delight in enjoying the gift that has been given. We desire to receive it and to enjoy it itself. And so what counts isn't just the thought, what counts isn't just the kindness behind the gift, but the, the usefulness of the gift itself. To illustrate this, I want you to picture a couple different kids receiving gifts, different children receiving gifts. The first child who receives a gift is overly pious. I mean, really mature, really respectful, uh, spiritually pious child. They're, They're impossible to buy a gift for because every time they get a gift, they unwrap it, they abandon it quickly, and they rush over to the parent and say, I love it, but what really matters is my relationship with you. Anybody have a child like that? No, I don't think so. No, the other child is, is, is just is overly selfish, right? This is the other, the other child. Plays with the toy, ungrateful, remembers how they have wished for something else and they didn't get what they wanted and they have to be stuck with this and they, ins- they insist uh, that, uh, that you make it right. Uh, and uh, they completely forget the generosity of the giver. And so, so both children, though, miss out on the blessing of the gift. Both of them do. The first misses out on the gift because it was meant to bless them and the gift itself was meant to to make them happy and joyful. And the second one misses out on the gift because they've forgotten the kindness of the giver. And so it isn't just the thought that matters. And Luke 2 really shows us what's involved in the goodness of a gift that is given. Luke 2 shows us the, 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 really, uh, the characteristics and portrait of a perfect gift. And we give gifts at Christmas time, of course, and it as a natural response to God's ultimate gift to us. Why do we give gifts? Because God I'm going to give away the cookies real early here. There's no surprise. You may be wondering, where is? I know where this is going. Of course you do. We give gifts out of, a, out of a response to God's ultimate gift giving of himself to us. The gift of his son, Jesus Christ. God's response to our rebellion, his response to our sin broken world in which we live is to send us the, a gift because we have forgotten him. He is to send us himself, the great gift of his rescuing, his transforming, his forgiving, his redeeming, the gift of his son Jesus. And Luke 2 not only gives us a reason to give gifts, but reveals to us what makes a gift a good gift. And not just a gift of God, but we see the, the nature of a good gift itself. There's qualities that must be present in a gift that is good, that we will delight in. And my hope is as we see this nature of this gift of Jesus himself in Luke chapter 2, we'll see that really Jesus is the, truly the most wonderful, most precious, most blessed gift we could ever receive. Three things I want to talk about that make a gift a good gift and from this passage. The first is that a good gift, and you can understand how we get here, a good gift is a gift that is willfully given. A gift that's willfully given, not obligated to give. You don't have to give it. Not mandated, and here we see an amazing act of God's self-giving gift. We see the result of God laying aside his own glory and being born into a human nature. God would take on human flesh. He would invade his sin-broken world with his wisdom and power and glory and grace. Not Not only would he give himself, but he would humble himself and take on the form of a helpless baby. It's an interesting situation to think about as you think about this context. That God is coming in the form of a baby to us. Hear what the angels are saying, kind of in a fresh way. The angels proclaim what has just happened, and, and in so many words they're saying, Go, you're gonna go find, you're gonna go find God, the Lord Almighty, the Creator, the sovereign King over all things, in a barn, wrapped in, in strips of linen in the form of a newborn baby. Imagine this, picture this. And, and, and it is right at that moment that the whole host of heaven breaks forth in praise. It is at this moment when they were proclaim, here the king has come as people waited for him to come, but here's the form that he has taken. Jesus is coming and the form of his coming shows the, the majesty of his self-giving love. He would suffer. He would grow and he would suffer every day of his life. He would take the form of a servant. He would deny himself any position of honor and glory. He would live on our behalf and die the death we deserve to die. And he would rise from the tomb as a conqueror over sin and death. And he would do it all by his own choice. Jesus grows up and he even tells us that no one forces him to give his own life. He gives it on his own will. Christmas is a shocking story. It's a shocking story of the one who deserves everyone to love him, but subjects himself to being despised and rejected by his own choice. This is a stunning turn of the story of God. God Almighty that has created all, that gives us his word and his command so that we will live in the way that is a life that is flourishing and obedient and holy. And this drastic turn of the story is that the one who deserves all praise is rejected and despised and killed by his own choice. It's shocking. The fact that God would do any of it is shocking. And maybe this is what makes receiving a gift so special, is that the giver doesn't have to give it. What gift are you more blessed to give? The obligated gift from the gift exchange from your second cousin twice removed that you've never met? that lives across the country, that just sends you uh, an email with like an Amazon gift card code? Or the gift that didn't have to be given? Which gift are you more delighted to give? The, the gift exchange that has just been randomly picked? Okay, you have to buy for this cousin. I've never met that cousin. Well, if you want to be in this family, you've got to buy this gift. And so you go along with it. Just me? Okay. Good gifts have the ability to teach us a lot about the giver of that gift, don't they? Good gift is a gift that is never detached from the one who gives it. What does it tell us about God? That he was willing to humble himself, come to earth, and to rescue his people by sacrificing his own life for people who were more committed to their own interests and their own self-love than they were to God. What does it tell us about God? That in not seeking his own glory... In his own praise, he empties himself, takes on our nature and our sin, and willingly does it. And he didn't have to. It tells us a lot. It tells us a lot about his love. It tells us that bound up in the person and work of Jesus is ultimate and lasting peace. That if if we desire to come into true peace and lasting joy, we must come into the presence of Jesus. And that's why the angels sing, peace on earth. He has come willingly to give of himself. Peace on earth. A real good gift is a gift that's willingly given, willfully given. Let's look at another characteristic of a good gift. A good gift aims at at meeting a need, of course. Christmas is a time of, of giving gifts that people need and desire. And almost all gifts... Aim at meeting a need. Slippers for dad. Communicate, You've always, you're always saying your feet are cold. So I got you these so that your feet could be warm. Every good gift in some way communicates this. I notice you and I care about you. Isn't that a great thing about receiving gifts, big or small? It's If it communicates, I notice you and I care for you. We receive that gift with, gra- with gratitude. But imagine what it would be like to open up a gift, and as you excitedly and joyfully open up the gift to see what awaits you, it is a book that is entitled, Overcoming Selfishness. (laughs) If you say to them, thank you so much, I need this, you're admitting, I am indeed an obnoxious person, and I need to work on this. There has never been a gift more aimed at what we need than the gift of Jesus Christ. Yet it causes us to kind of take a step back and swallow our pride. Like a gift as we unwrap that says overcoming selfishness. How to arrive on time. You know, whatever that is. It'll, it kind of makes us step back and say, is this me? Is this really what I need? The news of the birth of Jesus is a gift that is hard to receive. Christmas means that we are so lost, that we are so unable to save ourselves, that nothing less than the death of the Son of God himself could save us. Would you contemplate that gift? Christ is the one gift that you need. The gift of Jesus is such an amazingly beautiful gift, but it's a confrontational one. Good news, the angels say. I bring you good news of great joy, for unto you today is born in the city of David a a cheerleader to just run alongside you in the journey of life and keep giving you great encouragement. He doesn't say that. They don't say that at all. Born a, a life coach, a financial advisor. Unto you is born this day a Savior. To accept this amazing gift, you have to admit that you need it. To accept this amazing gift of Jesus, you have to admit that that you're the one to whom he has come to save and to rescue. Because you are the one that needs to overcome selfishness and self-centeredness and self-salvation and rebellion against God. You have to admit that you're a sinner, that you're a person in need of a savior. We just... You have to admit that you're not just the kind of person that just needs some help in your character or your temperament or personality or your emotions are kind of a little off-keel and you just, need some, you just need a new perspective. It's, you need to come to a place where you admit that you need a rescuer of your sin-broken body, your sin-broken mind and affections. You need to be able to open up the present that says overcoming selfishness instead of looking stunned at the giver of the gift In disbelief, you need to say, thank you. It's exactly what I need. Could you say that to the angels in their their proclamation, and their singing, I give you good news, a gift has arrived. It is a savior for your soul and your sin-broken life. Can you say, thank you. It's exactly what I needed. God knew that nothing else could fix us. He knew that nothing else could fix what was broken in us, so he gave the gift of his son. The song of the angels speak to humankind's most central need and most central dilemma. You see how the song of the angels, and as de- de- uh, depicted in, in a common Christmas hymn, hark the a- herald angels sing, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinner reconciled. The song of the angels speaks to our most central dilemma, The problem that we face is is not so much an emotional, physical, economical problem. Jesus came to change us from the helpless sinners that we are to his loved children, his friends, adopted into his affection. He came to make things the way they were supposed to be. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. It means a total state of flourishing in our whole well, our whole being. Shalom is God's design for the world. It's his design for our life and all of his creation. Jesus was born in to bring the the shalom of God, the peace of God on earth. So who gets this peace? Does everyone get this peace? The song of the angels ought to give us a little pause as we see that not everyone does receive this peace. Peace among those with whom he's pleased. The birth of Christ doesn't bring peace to all. Even though God's offer of peace goes out to all, only those with whom he is pleased actually receive this peace. There are some who, who don't receive this peace. There are some who, who believe that's the gift that isn't really for them. I don't need this. This isn't a gift for me. This is a gift for someone else who needs a Savior, who needs the kind of peace. I'm okay. How do we know if we're the ones that, to whom peace has been given? The answer is we receive the Sermon of the Angels. The herald angels say they're preachers, they're they're heralds, they're good news givers. They say good news, this is how we know that a sermon is about to be preached, because they start off with saying good news. It's the word gospel. And they're about to preach a sermon. It's a brief sermon, but it's packed with, with great news. And what do they say? Good news, Jesus saves That's a sermon in itself. It is good news for us. Good news. Jesus saves. Even as a weak infant, when they looked at Christ and believed in him, and at that moment, Jesus became to them their Savior. As they looked at this child and believed the sermon and good news of the the angels, "This this is the one who's been given as a gift to me to save me, to reconcile me with God whom I have rebelled against. At the moment, they became recipients of God's forever peace. To be a Christian, therefore, is to be a recipient of God's promised peace. It is to believe as the shepherds believed, to receive the song of the herald angels, to hear the good news and to believe, to see our ultimate need and our inability to do anything about it and to see God's good gift. To us, One that he didn't have to give, but he willfully gave for us. Man is a sinner. Man and woman are sinners who need overwhelming love. And Jesus alone is the answer. You ever seen Charlie, Charlie Brown's Christmas? I'm sure you have. Or know somebody who has. It'll be on this week, I'm sure. Take a pause and watch it. It's not that long, maybe 40 minutes. Maybe, maybe the best thing we can do all year is watch a Charlie Brown Christmas. Charlie, of course, he's miserable. There's something wrong with him. He thinks there's something wrong. He's questioning himself. Is there something wrong with me? I just don't understand Christmas, I guess. I might be getting presents and sending Christmas cards and decorating the tree and all that, but I'm still not happy. I don't feel, he says, I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. Linus says, Charlie Brown, you're the only person I know who can take a wonderful season like Christmas and turn it into a problem. He tries everything, the gifts, the decorating, the cards, the singing, nothing helps. He says, maybe Lucy's right. Of all the Charlie Browns in the world, you are the Charlie Browniest. That's what Linus says. The rest of the show is Charlie Brown trying to find the meaning of Christmas, and he fails at everything. Is it in the cards? No one gets him a card. Is it in the decorations? Everyone decorates better than him, even Snoopy. Is it in the Christmas play? He's the director, but no one listens to him, right? Is it in the perfect tree? He gets a pitiful tree. You remember that. Is it in managing his emotions? He goes to see a psychiatrist, right, Lucy, who diagnoses him with pantophobia, which is the fear of everything. Charlie Brown's depressed. He's frustrated. He's about to give up. And then he says in his despair, is there anyone who can tell me the meaning of Christmas? Linus says, sure, I can. He opens up. The Bible, he reads Luke 2, this passage, and then they sing. Hark, the herald angels sing. The answer to man and woman's greatest dilemma is that God has given his son to us. Christ is to be born so that we could be born again. Christ is given so that we could have the presence of God and his peace forever. This is good news. Let's look at the last characteristic. A good, news, the good, a good gift, as you know, requires no payment. This is, the, this is the most quintessential characteristic of a gift. It is given free of charge. A gift that is earned, a gift that is deserved, a gift that is paid for. It isn't a gift at all. But not, under, not all people understand what a gift is, in fact. Look at some of these ads. Some of you have bought into this. Limited time only, free gift. When you spend $50. And some of you think that's it's free. How much much did you pay for that gift? Nothing. It was free. How did you get it? All I had to do was spend fifty dollars. That wasn't a free gift. You spent fifty dollars for that gift. What about this one? Okay, free gift with every purchase. You just have to do something. Free gift with every purchase. What about this one? It's a little more subtle. Some of you fell for it. Disney Plus on us for the first year. People come up to me, did you hear Disney Plus is free? Well, what do you gotta do? Nothing, all you need to do is get an unlimited plan from Verizon or switch to their 5G internet net network. Someone told me, uh, you know, who has Audible, they say, I get a free book every single, year, every single month, a free audiobook every month. Oh, that's amazing, they just give you a free book? Yeah, all I have to do is spend $16 a month and they send me a free book every month. It's like, you don't understand what free is. How does this gift become ours? The passage tells us, for unto us is a Savior is born. Elsewhere we are told, for unto us a Son is given. It is ours if we receive it as a gift of grace. It is a gift because it is given as a gift of grace. This great salvation which brings new life and beauty and restoration and forgiveness and redemption, is a gift that requires no payment. The only way we receive it is admit that we need it and admit that it is undeserved grace. And what I mean is that it requires no, when I say it requires no payment, it requires no payment from the receiver because everyone knows that gifts are not free for the giver. In fact, sometimes they could be incredibly costly. Financially, a cost of time, a cost of energy, a cost of creativity. You have to say no to certain things so that you can say yes to giving this gift. But for the one receiving it, it is free. The angels sing of this gift that is given in the birth of Christ. And through his life and his work, he would reconcile God and sinner. And when Jesus went to the cross, he paid the penalty for our sin. The Bible asserts that by grace you have been saved. Through faith it is the gift of God. And if we are saved by grace, then we are not saved by works. Otherwise, grace would not be a gift. When we trust in Christ's work on our behalf rather than in our own moral effort, God forgives us and accepts us and gives us his Holy Spirit to renew our whole lives from the inside out. Jesus Christ is the splendor and majesty of heaven. He has been given to you. He's been given to us. This year, delight in giving gifts. I mean, I really want to invite you, not just to spend money on stuff, not just to, to, to go into the spending money, but this year, delight in it. Delight in receiving gifts as a gift that has been given to you. The next time you click, add to cart, Would you pause and reflect on the good gift of God's grace in the gift of Jesus? At just the right moment in time, God sent the angels to declare good news. A gift has been given that will answer the problems of your life. Though you are flawed in every way, And though you are deserving of much worse than a lump of coal in your stockings, he chose to give you his grace freely, abundantly, and eternally. Good news. Let's pray.